It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Don't think I own a single like designer t-shirt or jeans or... Yes, you do. No, I actually don't. Yes, you do, Elliot. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Watch Time, your weekly deep dive into the internet and things that are going on around the place. I am Elliot. I am a YouTuber with over 9 million subscribers. I'm here with my sister, Grace, who is uh, CEO of Click Management, who manages some of the biggest YouTubers in the world. And today, we're here to talk about a couple interesting topics. Number one, which I just wanted to go into briefly at the start, is the uh, Fortnite Ariana Grande concert has now taken place and kind of what we all thought of that. I don't know if you've watched it yet. Um, and then also we wanted to uh, do a very heavily requested topic, which kind of came up a little bit in the news this week indirectly, which is uh, YouTubers. How much do they earn? Because people seem obsessed with it. <laughs> but um, first of all, how was your week? My week was good. It was really good, actually. With the whole Ariana Grande concert thing, that was like a really, that was kind of the main part of my week because again, still in lockdown. So work's all I have. I had a meeting with YouTube yesterday. I don't even know if I've told you this yet, but I had a meeting um, with YouTube and they were just like, oh, how's everyone going in lockdown? And I was like, look fine. Like pretty good to be honest. I was like, Elliot's like really smashing through his stream hours. And they were like, Elliot is really smashing through his stream hours. They are like, he is streaming a lot right now. <laughs> like, yeah. Nothing else to do. <laughs> um, your housemate also arrived home last yeah, night. I have a I housemate was- again, which is actually so much better during lockdown because my God, living alone, you go a little bit crazy. I know. I heard the news and I was like, thank God, because honestly, you need it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely need like another human to bounce things off just to like check that you're still in reality. I'm fully vaxxed as of this morning. (laughs) And I haven't even managed to get a single shot yet because Australia's vaccine rollout is messed. I actually went through the whole form on the uh, government website the other day and it was like, yep, sorry. But I am fully vaxxed. I'm feeling the 5G running through my veins. Bill Gates and I have never felt more connected. Your internet speed has never been faster. It's never been faster. Um, But no, for real, I think it's obviously like kind of hard. It's not necessarily that easy to get vaccinated in Australia right now. But if you are listening in Australia, please do, because God knows how long we're still going to leave my house. Literally, I was like reading an article yesterday and they were like, yeah, look, the borders will still probably be closed by Christmas. And I was like, amazing. Fantastic. Thank you. A COVID Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I cry myself to sleep. What else is going on? I feel like the team's been pretty good working remote. Yeah, it's been, been, I feel like everyone's kind of, I mean, we're pretty experienced at at this stage, all the click management people working from home, but uh, Mm. everyone does such a good job. But the real big thing in the last week was the concert. And did you watch it? 
I have seen videos post. I didn't watch live. Did you? But like, did you watch the whole thing, start to finish? Not the whole thing. Oh, oh god! Absolutely weak, weak, weak. I thought it was so interesting. Debrief me. Give I, me your first impressions. Uh, what were your I hopes mean, and dreams? Did it exceed? Did so it what, miss the mark? What? Oh, blew blew me away. Absolutely, not even a question. Wow. I think what always amazes me though is man. I can't imagine being the Fortnite developers. Like on one hand, you get to work on some really cool stuff. But man, after a while, it must get really exhausting having to just like do all these things and constantly have the community say, oh, it's not enough. I do not know any game that does as much as Fortnite, but also gets as much like hate for saying they're not doing enough. it's a vocal minority on Twitter though? No, I don't. I think it's like a weird sentiment that people don't actually think about, but they just say like there's one YouTuber who I think he used to upload glitch videos. I forget. He doesn't upload as much anymore, um, but he but he always does really high quality recordings of like the live events. And anyway, mm. I, so I was on his socials like looking at that and he made some tweet being like, oh, basically, uh, orange guy. It, that's his channel okay. name. You wouldn't know it. Um, but basically talking about like, oh, how back in the day he had faith in Epic Games and thought they were going to do the right thing, but it's constantly been eroded. And this season and like after the event and everything, he's now got like no faith, but like looking over at Warzone and Apex Legends, seeing those games thrive. He doesn't understand why Epic isn't doing better. It's like, dude, I'm sorry, but like Epic Games right now is dropping <laughs> more content in a single season arguably in a single month than a game like Apex has dropped in its entire life cycle. Every single week at this stage, Epic is dropping a giant new skin collab with a huge IP. They're putting new items in the game. The map is fundamentally changing. And then within all that, they're also keeping this narrative going. They're dropping ridiculous collab live concert events. The collabs are getting out of control. I feel like every, I can't keep up with it the is, collabs. Yeah, no, it's, it used to be like, oh my God. Fortnite with Star Wars. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, they got another Marvel collab coming through. <laughs> like, yep, yeah, standard week. Uh, what, su- Superman, DC, yep, by all means. Ariana Grant, yep, Not get surprised. that in here. Marshmallow's back, yep, we knew it. Like, they are actually pumping so much content. They are doing so much as a live service game that, like, it's it's not even like a competition, I think, when you compare games like Apex and Warzone. And don't get me wrong, you can still enjoy Apex, and I know a lot of friends who are loving that game right now. But I mm. think it like if you're objectively just talking about the work that Epic is putting in behind Fortnite to keep that game feeling fresh, consistent after people have been playing it nonstop for three and a half years, it, it you are objectively wrong if you think that Epic isn't doing like putting enough work and updates into the game, whether or not you love the updates and whether or not you think the changes are like, oh, I don't like this new item. Objectively, they are doing so mm-hmm. much. They're at the forefront. They're at the forefront. Absolutely. They have like, everyone else is playing checkers while they're playing chess, but not even chess. They're playing like supercomputer chess <laughs> while everyone else is playing. They're with in sticks. VR. They're, they're literally, everyone, all these other developers are playing noughts and crosses in the sand with sticks <laughs> while they're playing like 8D checkers and chess. In anyway, space. the point is, in space, <laughs> the point is Epic is doing so much right now that it is just like a content overload. And it's honestly incredible to me. And I really hope they can keep it going. Mm-hmm. This season feels like the season where they've really been the most consistent. They've been hitting the right marks. They've actually been adding stuff and content that works well. Mm-hmm. And man, I hope they can keep it going because it is pretty 
awesome to be like doing that weekly update content at the moment. So here's something that I had a thought about in regards to the Ariana Grande concert. Now, I love Ariana Grande. Big fan. Huge. Mm. I'm probably more in her demographic. I thought it was interesting that Epic chose her as the next person to do such a massive collaboration with, Mm. given that I think it's probably not their core demographic. Like I wouldn't think that Ariana Grande fans and Fortnite fans have a huge crossover. Versus like Travis Scott where it was a lot more. Marshmallow, 100% more male dominated. Yeah. Did you see much feedback from people being like, this is cool but Ariana Grande kind of random or? I mean, I definitely thought the way they ran the concert, which you haven't watched, was smart. So if you watch the thing all the way through, there's six songs total, I think Mm -hmm. six, probably right um six or seven songs total and so the first half of the concert was actually um kind of like it was like juice world marshmallow right it was like these kind of like this like rock action song where you're like flying around in a plane fighting a giant monster and then the last half was ariana grande so i think it was good that they they did kind of i think understand that not everyone just wants to listen to ariana talk about how you know her love life is so intense and like she's falling in love with someone but like so i think they had a good balance there (laughs) you don't want that but for me like as much as (laughs) i might personally not love uh the ariana grande songs as much as the previous ones right i don't know for me i'm just most of my most of my time in those concerts isn't as much like as much as the music is great we love listening to it it's really more just being in awe of like what epic is doing and creating around all the music and all the live experiences Mm -hmm. to make it so engaging so even if i'm there like not vibing the song i'm just like watching the graphics, watching the way that they've put this kind of like experience together. And honestly, like, especially at, you know, we've talked about this in previous weeks in a time when the whole idea of like VR, um, you know, digital concerts is becoming like a bigger, bigger thing. And people like going to concerts in VR. I think that don't get me wrong as much as like the, the splendor one that we talked about a few weeks ago was really good. And as much as like you putting together a whole festival in the style that Epic did would be, so, so hard. I think what Epic has done with these concerts is they've created, I think what is just objectively the most like digital, the most engaging digital music experience mm-hmm. anywhere ever. And I think that's really, really cool. So as much as I, I think it was quite narrow minded, a lot of people after the concert came out, they're like, oh, Travis Scott was better. Like, I like the music better. It's like, yeah, you like the music better, but like, look a little bit deeper. This is them. This is Epic showing what they can do. This is still Epic. Flexing their skills. This yeah. is still Epic in that early stage of going where they want to go, which is this metaverse thing. And then being able to show how they can bring other media into their universe mm-hmm. and make it such an awesome, engaging experience. That's kind of the whole thing they're doing here. This is the demo. This is the test run. It's only going to get crazier. So what do you think is the main differences you've seen from like the first time that we saw Epic dabble in like a concert experience, which I think was Marshmallow, right? Yeah. And then they went to Travis Scott and then they had one other one, the Spanish speaking guy. And then now Ariana, what do you see as like the development? Yeah. I mean, the main ones are definitely Marshmallow, Travis Scott and um, the Ariana Grande one. But the thing is like, it's so hard to compare either of them because they're not just like step ups between each one. It's like a whole different thing. Epic's like revolutionized it every time. Mm -hmm. The first one was literally just a single marshmallow character standing on a stage with like, 
his music going and like effectively like the YouTube music videos on a screen behind him yeah. with like some cool like effects and bouncy stuff. And, but it was very, very basic. Travis Scott was like this huge immersive experience with a yeah. whole map turned into like things happening around you and a giant yeah. Travis Scott. That was really cool. But I think what they did with this concert was just like, in the Travis Scott one, as cool as it was, they really like changed the whole map and everything around you was part of the concert. At the end of the day, for the entire time, you were still your Fortnite character standing there surrounded by whatever's going on. Yeah. In the Ariana Grande one, every scene was just like an entirely different like experience, not only for like, you're in a different world for each song. They'd like custom built worlds for each song. What you're actually doing in that world was unique. So sometimes you're like bouncing around this like low gravity area. Next one, you're like surfing down this like slime slide. Then you're Mm -hmm. a unicorn flying through the sky. Then you're in this plane battling a giant storm monster and each one fit the music so well, but they've really now created like, yeah, these unique experiences for each song. And right. they built whole worlds and whole concepts around each one. So I don't know. I think it's just such a big leg up between each concert. It's really hard to even compare them because mm-hmm. they're not even really. Where do in you the think same. they take it from here? I always wonder that, right? Like if you asked me that after Travis Scott, I was like, that's a hard one to beat. That's a hard one to beat. And then they did. As, and again, I know people are going to say, I didn't like the music in this one more. In terms of what they did, technically speaking, this was another level. It um, says a lot when when companies or, yeah, companies can provide you something that you didn't even know you wanted. Yeah. You know, and, when someone, like, ups the game and you're like, I wouldn't have even thought about how yeah. cool that could be, but that's really cool. And this is what I think about, so, this is what's so cool about most of the stuff Epic does um, around Fortnite is it's just so much at the forefront of gaming. Mm. Like it really is like most of the stuff they're doing um, and have done over the past few years from, they basically created live events on the scale that they have and those kind of in-game cinematic experiences, collabs, everything, everything Epic does. um, And and like weekly updates. I think people forget how much Epic has pioneered the live service gaming experience, but everything they do is so much at the forefront Mm. and, you know, occasionally they swing and miss. I would say they've got a pretty good 70-80% strike rate on on what they do. But I think they probably build into, you know, I'm sure they strive for perfection. I think Epic does pride themselves as being like a pretty high quality experience overall. But I also think that when you are moving that fast and you are wanting to be so at the forefront of your industry, you kind of have to build into it that like you're going to be prepared to like swing a couple times and like, you're going to throw a lot of shit at the wall and like maybe some of it doesn't work and some of it's going to be (laughs) amazing. Some of it's completely broken. (laughs) And you're going to learn from the mistakes and take them into bigger things. And like, yeah. yeah, I think like if you're a developer at another studio, like how are you looking at Epic right now? I'm thinking like, it's hard, man. It's hard. The The other thing is like, you know, maybe these other studios are doing well, but I don't think revenue wise, they're even touching Fortnite still. Like, I think the crazy thing is much as people feel like this sentiment that Fortnite has fallen off, like we we're talking about last week, like we know that chapter two, season two was like their highest revenue ever, which is definitely a point where that they've so far announced. How do you know that? Because of the, um, we talked about it last week, the legal case. Oh, um, right, right, right. The like disclosure that okay. they that yeah. they had to put out as part of the legal case. 
Um, we know that that was their highest revenue thing Holy ever. Holy moly. Fortnite is still not on mobile. That's just your reminder that like how incredibly well they're doing right now and they're not on mobile. Yeah. Oh my God. Dude. They just don't need the money. Well, I guess they could always do with more money. Just imagine. How much money they'd be making if they were on mobile too. 100%. So at the end of the day, as much as people feel like Fortnite is like falling off momentum wise with players, even though I think they're doing now a really good job of getting it back. Um, at, like, I just think these other studios are probably looking at Epic Games and they're like, they have built, like, I think what most people would agree is the most comprehensive game engine ever, Unreal Engine. Mm-hmm. Their game is built on that engine. They understand that engine better than anyone. They have enough money that they can hire unlimited developers to build on that engine. Like they're kind of just moving at a pace and with enough like advantages that I don't really think they're catchable. So I think most developers are kind of looking at it and they're like, okay, we're just going to do our own thing. Okay. Here's a question. Say I give you $100 and you're allowed to invest whatever, however many of those dollars into various game development studios that you'd like. Who are you betting on and how much money are you putting It's 100 on Epic. You're putting 100 on Epic? Yeah, I put it all on Epic. Really? Absolutely. None on Activision Blizzard? I I love- None on EA? None on Yubi? Well, because at the end of the day, you're asking me which one I think is going to grow- the most and do the most. And I think it's definitely epic. They're in the best spot. Wow. Okay. I love it. And don't get me wrong. I love, I love the stuff that other developers are doing. I just think again, they're playing checkers. Epic's playing chess, you know, like Epic's just moving so much faster and with so much like bigger strides than any of these other developers. And I think that there is some weird, like niche things, like for example, Roblox, where Roblox itself wasn't, you know, there's a lot of games where it's not so much like unique credit to the developer in terms of their long-term vision. Mm-hmm. Like Notch with Minecraft had an incredible idea with Minecraft, mm-hmm. but he said it himself and his later projects that he, you know, dabbled in after that proved it. He was like, yeah, Minecraft's a one hit wonder. Like that's my thing. Like I'm never going to have an idea that good ever. Honestly, like hard to top. Yeah. Whereas, You've really set the bar high for yourself yeah. early on. I just think Epic's got a lot of things going for it. I really like what they're doing. I like their vision. I like their overall goals. I think they've got the money. They've got the technology. Okay. Um, here's part two to my question. Yes. Who are you shorting? Ooh, that is an interesting one. I don't know. I actually, I, I don't know who if I would short uh, – bet against a developer at the moment. Like, I think every developer's kind of got their own thing going on. I do think, um, and don't get me wrong, I could be I could be so wrong here because I feel like sometimes I don't fully understand niches of gaming that I don't personally engage with. Mm-hmm. But I think that Activision's doing a pretty good job. I think they're going through a definite tough phase right now. I don't, hey, honestly, if I was shorting anyone, I'd probably short Blizzard, which I can't, I couldn't imagine myself saying three or four years ago. I couldn't but, imagine you saying six months ago. But I've heard um, Overwatch 2 is getting delayed and I think they're delaying an IP that isn't like it's when it comes out, it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to be kind of, it'll, it'll be fun. I just don't think it's going to like take over the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. Um, their Warcraft is falling off. Uh, yeah, I think Activision, their IP is still strong enough. Call of Duty is always Call of Duty and Call of Duty will print money. 
but I think Blizzard's in a tough spot right now. I think they've, you know, they might make a lot of money from the Diablo mobile thing that's coming out. But I think if you look at the state of most of their franchises, Hearthstone's ticking along, but you don't really see it gaining a ton of momentum. Uh, Overwatch is definitely going down, going down fast. The only thing coming out for it is Overwatch 2, and that's apparently now two years away, and it doesn't even look like it's going to do much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Blizzard's in a tough spot. Mm. And I really hope they can turn it around. Interesting. Yeah. All right. But I feel like that's enough on the state of technology and who's doing what crazy Please stuff in the gaming industry. Please tell us if you agree and disagree with yeah, that. I actually love like to know like... people's thoughts. I'm, I'm not saying that people had to enjoy the event. I'm saying you had to respect the event. Yes. That's my difference. And tell us if you agree or disagree with betting all in on Epic. Mm. And... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Who do you, who you'd be shorting? Big thing that we wanted to talk about today, though, which kind of came in through a weird avenue, but it was this whole um, Messi, who you know, obviously the soccer player. And the fact that like his salary was like something crazy, like 120 million a year, something obscene. What do you even do with that amount of money? Imagine waking up every day and being like, I have to spend $300,000 today. I need to do it. I think that's probably not the mindset. That no, that's in. the mind. That's the mindset I'd live. <laughs> I w- I'd never make it to training. Why aren't you at training? I'm like, I, bro, I've, I've still got 250 grand that I have to spend today. It's really hard. That's a hard amount of money to spend. Well, I don't think you have to spend it. Maybe he's saving the world. Nah, easy Probably not. Easy <laughs> How many Ferraris does he have? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of kind of, I guess, conversation happening out in the world about like these crazy soccer player salaries. Because mm-hmm. ultimately the reason, even though he said he'd take a pay cut to stay with the team, it was just so, he was so expensive and all the other players on the He's team. He's the second most highly paid athlete in the world, right? Yeah, I believe so. After- um, Conor McGregor is ahead of Messi, but like- because he sold a company, which is like a once-off. I'm not paying it. Messi's basically the highest paid in the world. Look, long story short, suddenly a lot of people talking about the salaries of soccer players. And we thought it could be an interesting tie-in to talk a little bit about uh, the revenue that YouTubers make and can make. Because I feel like it's always a weird one to me. People, there's so much speculation and so many questions about how much YouTubers make. Why do you think that is? Um, I mean, A, because I think what now, if you go to schools, it is the job that the vast majority of kids say that they would like to do. So it's naturally just, it is such a, um, popular kind of Mm -hmm. job and people would love to know how much that job makes, but also obviously a large part of YouTube and social media generally is the lifestyle aspect. And a lot of YouTubers are out there driving their McLarens and living in a mansion and, mm. you know, doing X, Y, and Z, wearing their Gucci as I'm in a $20 basic black shirt. Um, <laughs> and you haven't had a haircut in two months. I haven't months. had a haircut in two months. <laughs> Thanks, government. Open up the hairdressers. Uh, but yeah, but also because how much like the kind of flex money lifestyle is a part of a lot of YouTubers' brand. Right. And then you've also got people like Mr. Like, I, I just feel like money and YouTube are so 
outwardly intertwine because mm. like think of channels like Mr. Beast where the money is like a huge part of it's like it. these it are real people they feel like real people rather than like yeah. traditional celebrities why does this 18 year old have a McLaren <laughs> you can see them living these crazy lifestyles and I feel yeah. as though like TikTok culture in the last year and a half has like a hundred percent contributed to that yeah and now you see literally teenagers living in these like stupid mansions yeah. in LA, driving European bloody cars everywhere, eating out every night, just wearing new outfits every day, like I always, showered in I bloody that, designer. I find that culture difference really interesting between uh, Sydney and, or like Australia and LA. Whenever I'm in LA, I think, man, if I was living there, I would. Like it's almost like this obligation to spend money. There's just this culture that like, it's almost like this ladder climb Mm -hmm. competition of like who can show off how much money they have the most. Your friend's got a Ferrari 458. So you then buy a Ferrari 488 and then he bought a mansion. So now you got to buy a mansion and he's wearing Gucci. You got to get the latest season of Gucci too. Like it's so expensive versus like in Australia, don't get me wrong. Like sure. Like YouTubers will like live comfortably like you know if you're a youtuber and you're doing well you can live comfortably you can have a couple of nice things but a i feel like you really don't show it outwardly nearly as much it's not as much at the forefront of your brand um and then also like i don't know like me for example i don't even own a car i uber everywhere Yeah, (laughs) like most people and and you know like in terms of like designer clothes like yeah i'll have like a couple of nice jackets but like i don't think i own a single like designer t-shirt or jeans or yes you do no i actually don't yes you do no i i I had three years ago and now they're gone bro i see you wear a Givenchy t-shirt like three times a week oh i do have one left i have one left (laughs) it's the same shirt it's the same shirt I'm just one of the people. I've never made a dollar in my life. Okay, All no, right, no, no, Shane no. Dawson, I do. I have, I have one. I have one good T-shirt. <laughs> that's true. But it's now completely ruined because I wear it all the time because it's just comfy. Um, but yeah. Anyway, the culture difference super interesting. But YouTubers revenue streams. Um, and I don't know exactly where we wanted to start on this topic, but I thought well, it could the be first interesting. Thing I want to say is it's not all what it looks like. Sometimes I think. Not everything is as it seems. And I would like to preface this, and maybe it's definitely touching on the TikTok thing more than YouTube. I think, especially in LA, my perception is that there is a huge pressure to show that you're living a life that you might not actually yeah. be living. And and the, and I, I think pretty much all my YouTuber friends I know in Australia, uh, the big focus for them is saving. Like you might spend a small percentage of yeah. your paycheck on uh, on whatever, but at the end of the day, you're like, okay, I'm probably not going to be doing YouTube forever. This is a really unique chance to set myself up in a good way. I'm going to be responsible versus when I am in LA. Don't get me wrong. Some people who would be making so much that they can do that and also save. Mm-hmm. But man, I get the sense of a lot of people I know that they are running it hard. They're running it hard. And like, uh, Yeah. So the savings are not going as much up, but their garage is filling up quite quickly with on, different on cars. On leased cars, on 8% finance. Yeah. And- I think it's like they might be wearing the coolest shit that they got sent for free, by the way, but nobody's paying the rent with free clothes. And I think that's really important to remember. I think there's like a huge influencer culture where it's like you might be making, you might be getting a huge amount of free product. That 
absolutely is there. I think there's a lot of PR that's done in the US, like more so than, than that's done in Australia. Yeah. I think there's like a lot of people that are getting mass amounts of like free product and free clothes and free skincare and free games and free whatever. But, um, but how many of those people are like making a full-time salary off that, I think is one question. And then I think there's another one where it's like, okay, they may, they might be making a lot of money, but it's like, they're making, they're making hay while the sun shines. I was actually going to say, I slightly disagree. Oh, okay. Because as much as I think a lot of people will spend at a high level uh, to really kind of like, and they can be earning a good amount, but also spending that same amount. Like you think about, say you're making, well, I, I know price, car prices are different in America, but say you're making 40 grand a month. Mm-hmm. Let's say you spend 10 grand of that on clothes, another 10 grand on like, you know, like your food and wherever you're renting. And then you have a nice car. That 20 grand is probably what that nice car is going to cost you mm. over a year or two, like every single month. Um, so like p- the problem, the, my thing that I think with a lot of YouTubers is they're making huge amounts of money, but they're also spending it quite fast. Okay. So yes, YouTube ad revenue or Twitch ad revenue. Absolutely. The creators are getting paid from that. I think that's also really important to distinguish other than creators that might be making their primary content on Instagram or TikTok. If you're on Instagram or TikTok, the only way you're making money right now is basically through brand deals. So if you're on YouTube, you're getting paid from the ad revenue. It might not look like a brand deal. You're just getting paid based on how many views you're getting. So I think that's a really important distinguishing one as well, which is why I always encourage creators to diversify. And like, if you can start to make money on YouTube and develop an audience there, it is way easier to monetize that than Instagram and TikTok. When it comes to YouTube revenue, for those people who do have YouTube channels, the spread on what you earn on your views is so broad. Like it is quite crazy and mm. can actually lead to a lot of, um, I think that's a lot of the time why you see a lot of creators get quite angry at the YouTube platform. Mm. And there's, there can be like sometimes this weird tension between creators because at the end of the day, uh, the same with any job in society, if you're going to your job, let's say, let's say you're a cashier at a grocery store and you're there and you're like, you know, doing your work every day and you're getting 15 bucks an hour. And then you turn to your left and you see another guy who's been there the exact same amount of time doing the exact same work that you are to the exact same standard, but he's getting paid a hundred dollars an hour. So what Elliot's talking about is how creators are paid, which is basically on what we call like a CPM basis or a cost per milli, which I don't know why. Basically they means milli. how much money you get per thousand views. Yes. And the spread and how that number is determined is quite really uncertain among the entire creator community. Some people might be getting paid 50 cents per thousand views. And others could be getting $10 per thousand views. Yeah. So not a lot of difference between 50 cents and $10, but over millions of views, someone's getting paid 20 times as much for the same number of views. That means if let's say there are two channels getting a hundred million views and I know times where maybe not quite to that extent, but I know I've, I know multiple times from people I know personally, people I don't know personally where uh, there have been two channels that say get roughly a hundred million views each in a month. One of them could make 700, 800 grand on that hundred million views in a month and the other person barely goes over a hundred. Obviously incredible revenue numbers all around. Everyone's doing very well and is very lucky to be where they are. But if you're that person making one eighth 
of that other creator for the same work. That's a big Man, difference. that can get very, very intense. So I think that's probably a good starting point to give you guys perspective on how much creators earn. Now, obviously, not every creator is getting 100 million views a month. That is an astronomical number. Normally, only some of the biggest creators on the platform will really reach that. And I think an average CPM, probably a good one to work with, is between like 4 and $5 for yeah. every 1,000 views. So if you're getting 100 million views a month, you'd be making 400 to 500 grand a month just on your ad revenue, which is crazy. Now, you can kind of go look at whatever channels you're curious about, use that number, extrapolate it out. It gives you a rough idea of how that person is Mm -hmm. generally doing across the board. But like Grace said, that isn't where a lot of creators probably get the majority of their revenue because obviously sponsorships are a huge thing on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And the spread there is once again, quite vast, but Interestingly, normally it really comes down to uh, the kind of direct integrations also have a normally like a CPM. Now, a lot of the time that is just determined as like a flat fee before you even do the video and create Mm -hmm. the content. Um, But normally that CPM is significantly higher than what YouTube would be paying for each ad they put in front of the video. And that's because obviously it's integrated directly in the content. You, the creator, are promoting the product. It's just generally a much more effective way to promote something. So while a normal video CPM might be, you know, four to five dollars for every thousand views, an integration will what do you think? Like between twenty and thirty dollars a lot of the time? Yeah. 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 Definitely. It's kind of like a safe that's kind of like a safe one. And then a lot of the time you do get ones that go even well above and beyond that. Mm-hmm. So obviously most creators aren't doing sponsorships on every single video. And just to add to that, obviously how much you get paid for brand deals is going to vary a huge amount based on the brand, based on how much it fits with your normal content, based on what time of year it is, based on if you're generally like a very brand safe creator, you don't swear, whatever you produce as content is like pretty accessible to a wide audience or are you creating super vulgar content that's like not very appropriate for a huge audience? And a lot of the time as a creator, you can get offers that would normally be like well below the normal rate you'd do for like a sponsored video or a sponsored integration. But a lot of the time, like I've gotten sponsorships before where I'm like, oh, I I wanted to cover that anyway. Like, I was going to yeah. make that video like Fortnite early on sponsored me to do my first Fortnite videos. Fine. Yeah. And <laughs> I was I like, have to pull my arm. And I was like, I was looking at the game. I was like, man, that game looks like it'd be really fun. I'm like, <laughs> I was probably going to do a video anyway. Yeah. Okay, fine. I agree to your deal. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, the only difference is I was going to make the video regardless, but you mm-hmm. just put sponsored in the video. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of those like great win-win ones, but I would definitely say they're kind of like the two core categories where the vast 99% of creators probably make the majority of their yeah. revenue. Yeah. But are there any other revenue streams you want to go into? Well, I think it's like for most people, that's that's probably where a huge amount of their money is made from. I would also say like a lot of creators might be doing merch or their own products or mm. that sort of thing. I think if you're able to do that, that can be incredibly lucrative. And I think ultimately, if you can aim to be creating your own products and merch, then that is a brilliant aim for all creators to have, I think. Ideally, you want to get to a point where you're not having to rely on brands to pay you and you're able to promote your own brands, in which case you're not just working for a fee, you're working for the profit of the overall product. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of like great 
um, great creators are headed and I think you can see that more and more. I mean, I think that honestly the blueprint for it is the Kardashians and you see that like they used to do a lot of brand sponsored Instagram posts and that sort of thing a few years ago. Now, if you look at all of their pages, they're promoting brands that they own. You know, Kim yeah. Kardashian is promoting her makeup line. She's promoting Skims. Kylie is promoting her own makeup line. Like yeah. all of them are pro- promoting their own products because that's where they feel as though they're getting the most bang for buck. Yeah. I think the most in, and I think doing own products and, you know, even keeping it basic merch, you know, kind of like mm. YouTuber merch, like clothes, whichever. I think the most interesting part for me personally there is just like how big that spread can mm. really be. Because I know some creators where that can literally be their biggest revenue source by far. It oh, can exceed sure. their YouTube revenue, their sponsored revenue, all the other revenue. Merch can be literally it. Versus I know for a large number of creators, merch is kind of like, oh, you know, I do it for the, like do it for the fans because they really want me to do it every now and again. But it's really not like a big revenue driver. Um, it's just kind of like a bonus thing to do yeah. on the side. So that one's actually a really hard one to give any consistent insight into because uh, you can't really look at a channel and determine how they're doing off their merch because there's just so many factors at play. Mm. You don't have as much transparency around how many units they sold, what their costs of manufacturing are. The spread there is Massive. crazy. And honestly, you never know. And I think more and more creators are working with platforms now. I think that's a new type of deal, I suppose, that we're seeing a lot more than we did five years ago. So yeah. maybe a creator is exclusive to a particular platform. Maybe they're creating a podcast that's been sponsored by Spotify mm. and they're getting paid to make that. Yeah. Um, so I think what I think is important, though, is that the ways that creators are able to monetize their content now is getting bigger and bigger and, you know, even on a small scale, like I'm thinking about some of the stuff that we do with creators, we um, work with another company that might manage some of their Facebook pages and we're able to monetize that. Yeah. We might work with companies that copyright claim. So they'll find people that have stolen their content and are re-uploading yeah. it on YouTube and they'll copyright claim that and that can be a source of revenue. So I think the way that the way that creators are diversifying their monetization is getting like more and more mm. as there's like a value, significant value put on content. And even like content syndication is becoming a huge thing now. So working with companies that might take your bank of content and then re-upload it on platforms like Snapchat and that sort of thing, or Roku Mm. um, or Disney plus or something where they have like free space and they need content to fill it. They'll pay the creators to do that. So I think while ad revenue and brand deals is like probably the most prominent ways you see it, I think a lot of smart creators are now thinking about how can they get more juice from the orange and like yeah. really diversify how they're making money. And as creators are becoming more and more mainstream, those opportunities are opening up more and more. Like mm. like you said, syndication of content. I know people who have had cruise ship companies come and pay a flat fee to put their YouTube videos on the cruise ship in like the you know yeah. area where people want to watch it. So- Yeah, I think it's so interesting. There's always new revenue streams opening up, new ways you can kind of monetize your content. But um, yeah, I hope that guy, I hope that gave you guys some uh, interesting insight into the the world of revenue around YouTube creators. Definitely a interesting, not messy topic, but it's a topic with no clear answers. Which I guess comes back to your original question of why people are so curious, because it is yeah. in a lot of ways a mystery. You just and we don't didn't know. even really touch on demonetization, which is where yeah. you might be having a shitload of views, and you just Getting might no not money. be able to monetize your video because yeah. for whatever reason, advert- YouTube 
Because for whatever reason, YouTube has deemed your content not appropriate for advertisers. Maybe you're uploading stuff that's unsafe or that is super vulgar or is racist or something like that, which hopefully you're not. Don't do that. But um, (laughs) in which case, you could be getting all the views in the world and let me tell you, you're not making a dollar. Yeah. Even the length of content is significantly impacting things. Like David Dobrik, I think, basically makes no money yeah. from his YouTube channel and all of it he would but be a man, creator. And does SeatGeek line his pockets. Or yeah. they did line his pockets. Yeah, how's he going? <laughs> Good. His content's popular again. I think people are kind of over being angry and now they just like the videos. <sighs> Internet. It is what it is. It is what it is. But guys, if there's any other topics you want us to cover next week, let us know in the comments down below or leave a uh, rating on the podcast as well. Tweet it at us, Instagram it at us. We've all got socials, a lot of ways to get in contact. I had lots of people message me actually after last week when I said message me. So thank you. I spoke to quite a few people this week. She's lonely in lockdown, so she just needs someone to talk to. Yeah, you can message me anytime, guys. I'm here. (laughs) I promise you. Anytime. Someone call me, please. (laughs) I just need to talk. (laughs) All right. Guys, thank you so much for watching this week's episode of Watch Time and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.